So this is the first in our series of our lively podcasts. Um, I'm the founder of Live Consultancy and I thought it was a really good way to start celebrating International Women's Day by bringing in some of the female founders that have inspired my journey in the last three years. So we're kicking off today with um, Elle Moss, founder Hello. of Drew London. Hi. Um, and Elle was probably one of the first female founders that I class as my now probably tribe and support network in that she's also the only other, was the first female, single female founder to run an agency, which is quite rare. Um, it's a shame it's still quite rare. We want to help more people get into it. But part of this series is going to be talking to lots of different um, inspiring females that I've met along the way. And just really talking like realistically about our journey and what that really means to us. So welcome, Elle. Thank you for having me. I feel really honoured. <laughs> Um, so tell us a bit about Drew London and how you started it, because it's quite a unique story and quite a challenging one, actually, for the situation that you're in. Yeah, I mean, it's one that I'm completely glad it happened, but I think serendipity had a huge part to play in it. I have been in the creative industry for over 20 years, long time, and had a fantastic job, loved what I did, worked for some huge agencies as a kind of brand marketing expert. And then I got pregnant and I had a baby. And that baby is now 16, which is quite scary. And I went back to my job when my baby is four weeks old. And I said, you know, I love what I do. Um, I found a child carer. He's very little, so he can only do four days at a child carer. And my then boss turned around and said, well, a man can do your job for five days a week. At which point, I was happy to hear that because actually I had all of the tools to run my own creative agency and for me that was a sign to hand to my notice and to get going. The other thing that happened at the same time is my grandfather, namesake of my company, so Major George Drew and my company's Drew London, he always believed in me. Through my entire life I suffered from academia, was never my friend, I'm terribly dyslexic, um, never really got very good grades and he always said don't worry just be honourable, step forwards. He was a um, prisoner of war at Cold. It's a very, very kind of strict gentleman, but really believed in me and brought me up to believe in myself. And so he said, you know, set your own agency up. You've got the tools, go for it. And it was pretty scary because I had a little baby. Um, I, you know, I couldn't, didn't have any clients, but off I went. And what was the sort of first steps that you took to do that? Because it's a very daunting task. Many would say just not even possible. Like, how could you even do that? I think there's quite a lot of people that have ideas and passion, but aren't quite sure of what those first steps or first months look like. Yeah, I think, um, look, for me, if I think about, I'm not a planner. Um, I really struggle with it, actually, which is Terrible because you're such an amazing planner and I look at you with all of your visions and goals and that absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> but if something feels right, I will, I will take a risk. And the risk, you know, to drop down from a salary to being a um, new mum and earn nothing was a risk. And I took it. And some months, I, I remember the month I earned £94. That was quite scary. Mm. Um, but actually, what I've learned with... so. Drew London, as a creative agency, we have hundreds and hundreds of clients, and some of them for the entire 15 years. Because we're so full service, we start with a brand and we deliver anything from websites to packaging. And the ones that are really motivated, and really the startups that are really motivated, are ones that actually fear is driving them. They need to make a living, they need to pay their mortgage, they need to pay their childcare fees. 
and that's what drove me. So I just got out there. Um, I didn't have any clients because I was still in contract uh, with my old agency, but I just went networking and met the most amazing people who are still my clients today, which is quite strange given it's been such a long time. You've uh, touched on there about uh, fear of failure and it's a topic that comes up quite a bit because it's our driver but it's also our nemesis totally. in that it can um, blur our mind as well as focus it. How do you find or what tools do you use to kind of use the fear of failure as a energizer and a motivator rather than something that holds us back and stops us getting there with that sort of imposter syndrome that comes up all the time? That is such a good question and believe me I even had a failure episode last week so it still happens even though I've been running my company for such a long time. My honest hands on heart advice is to talk to your peers and your champions and your mentors. Don't always have to do exactly what they say but it's really incredible to get an outsider's point of view or, or even someone that knows you really well. You know, I'll often come to you and I'm like, Charlotte, this has happened and I don't know what to do. And you'll give me lots of options. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I've gone through lots of different, in, in the years, I've gone through lots of different life situations. So at the time I was married, then I became a single mum when my son was um, five, six years old. So I suddenly had no one to talk to. But then actually it pulls in your peers and mentors even closer. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is my mum. I think that's quite normal as well. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll come on to finding our tribe and how to do that, because I think real advice in that is really, it will save people a lot of time. But um, interestingly, you talked about your, how the business had, maybe not the business had impacted it, but your how your relationships have changed over the years, because you did start with a business partner, or at some point you've had a business partner, and a divorce through that. So I'm really interested for other women to find out about how the business has impacted your relationships or vice versa yeah I've gone through many different transitions so I started on my own very much uh, as in my business on my own when I was married at the time um, then got divorced a few years later the reason that that sadly happened is and this is such an important lesson communication we just didn't communicate at all for about three or four years and that's a very lonely world to be on which kind of touches on your failure question just now as well because the moment you stop communicating is the moment that the darkness can really set in um and that's quite a, i mean obviously mine ended in the worst way possible with with having a divorce it wasn't ideal but not long after divorce i then got a business partner and that was fantastic oh i loved that that was just the most tremendous support and it really pushed the company forwards um, he was, I'm a real visionary, I, I tend to think big and then worry about how to do things at a later date, whereas he was a very practical, solution-focused, and I'd known him for a number of years and he came on board, but that relationship too broke down, it wasn't for him. And those were things that were completely out of my control, so that was another kind of life lesson there, really. Through all of it, I would say that it's just all life, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. Kind of I think it's, um, as a lot of people, when they go to start a business or try to develop or take what is maybe a freelance or a contracting career to the next level and start oh. employing people, um, there's lots of, sometimes <laughs> excuses, but often it's just, often it's just fear. 
And it, the fear is, oh, I can't because I have children, or I can't because of my husband needs that support, or I can't because I'm not going to have the money. And I think it's just about also finding ways to be able to overcome that. Mm. So for me, it was diff- different because I didn't have that pressure. And I, I do take my hat off to anyone that has done this and built a business whilst having children and family and husband to do it. I think I've always found it a bit easier because I haven't had that. But at the same time, then you don't have the um, support at home because you actually need that tribe to sort of keep you going. Yeah. So there's, it's, it's definitely a balancing act. Um, we've touched on tribe and support and communication a bit. And I think for me, one of the biggest changes in the last two years is finding the right tribe. They say, you know, you're always the five in the room. You want to be able to learn from people and give to people. You sort of need to be able to educate and le- uh, learn, educate as fast as you learn, is what I would normally say. Um, so it's about finding the right people to support you whilst also supporting others. Um, and it's a big sort of passion of mine. I think this year I'd found um, EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organisation, and that was an accelerator program that allowed me to learn things that I was never taught. I don't come from a business background, I don't know these things. And most of the time you start and you think, God, how did I even get to this point without knowing this? And you know, the more you learn, that you just think, God, what you don't know is you just don't know. That's it, that's exactly the same, you don't know until you know. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is just, just take step forwards and just keep going, like don't worry about it. And it's kind of like that very overused saying that you know to eat the elephant you need to take one bite at a time and just start wherever you can um although I think things that things are changing it's when I first um so you know I'd had that episode of my female boss and then I decided my first networking group was a female only networking group back in 2004 and I felt like an absolute outsider I didn't feel that there was any support there um, and I also felt that I wasn't trusted. And I guess it might have been my own paranoia. I had gone through a lot with you know, um, what had happened previously. But now I feel completely different when I go to female networking groups. And I don't think it's an age and experience thing. I think that we are all leaning in a bit more. And we are all sharing, sharing our experiences, which is brilliant. Because then we can all benefit and we can all grow. Mm. Because you don't know until you know. Mm. Very true. So I found in the first early years when you're getting up to the sort of 250, 300,000 turnover mark, there are smaller networks and things to go into. And they yeah. are very much lead driven. They're very much about going in, I'll scratch your back and you'll scratch mine and you give me leads and I'll give you leads. And even if you don't necessarily have tested their work, and I found that all a bit inauthentic and didn't really like it. So um, when I later on found other networks that weren't related to networking that was about support, I found that really helped me step forward. And I mentioned EO, which we'll talk about a bit more, and Sister Snog, which we'll talk about a bit more in our next um, session. But um, they are two that were a bit of a game changer for me in finding my tribe. What uh, ones have you found worked for you? Um, so I believe, well, actually, I've set up my own one now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love networking. I mean, don't, I set my company up so I love people. So I can, I'm more than happy in a networking situation. And I don't go to win new business. I go to make contacts. The business does come, but it's a long game. And, but I have to say, lately I've, I have surrounded myself with people like yourself who I really trust and have in high regard. So I guess in terms of which groups have I joined that have really influenced me, it's a bit of a personal thing. It's actually you. Um, I used to be a member of institutions which I'm not going to uh, mention because they didn't work for me. It wouldn't be fair to put them on air. 
But I think, so that's why I've set my own networking group up as well. Um, it's down in Brixton in southwest London, and it's just to share experiences and stories and for people to be together, but it's nothing specific. Yeah. It's just an inspirational story. So I didn't really answer your question, Sorry? but I've got you on WhatsApp, and that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my support network. Um, <laughs> so the, the, changing the subject a little bit, so things that are uh, over the last couple of years that really keep you up at night, in the business and how do you deal with that I mean it's for me it falls down into two kind of um, pillars the things that keep me up at night are I would say uh, HR so it's actually really good at the moment um, but sometimes people behave in a way that you're not expecting and that's always surprised me um, you know in our so we both have a business coach from uh, Angus from Action Coach, who's phenomenal. And he talks about personality types, and I, I didn't realise that they were really a thing. I thought everyone was an extrovert, but they're not. And <laughs> that's really surprised me. Having said that, I've had some, um, given we're a small company, I've had some pretty horrific HR problems that are completely out of my control. They keep me up at night mm-hmm. because you know that they're going to impact not just your team, but also your client and your growth and as, as an agency. And then the other thing that keeps me up at night is certainly cash flow and money. Mm-hmm. I think more than ever, it's, it's become just very difficult getting people to settle on time. I do have a process and it does work, um, which is great. But it does keep you up at night because not not necessarily for me, although you know I'm still a single mum in um so it'd be great to have that have that uh what's the word support. Mm. But actually I also pay other people's mortgages and rent and holidays, and that's what keeps me up at night. But if I can't fulfil that, I would I'd feel awful. Mm. And at the moment, what would you say the biggest challenges are in business that we face? in the current climate in the current climate it it feels very transitional it feels very fast paced it feels that I was um, a member of the international business Lord Mayor's international business growth programme gosh that's a mouthful which is fantastic but it was a lot of startups and tech companies and the speed they move at was astonishing I don't necessarily think that was a good thing I just think it, it becomes almost unmanageable and overwhelming. I feel mm. that people are overwhelmed at the moment. I've never known calm or um, headspace be downloaded so much in my life. And what I also think is that's quite city-centric. So I'm originally from Somerset, where the soda apples come from. And they've never heard of headspace mm-hmm. or calm. Mm. It doesn't equate in their life. They don't need it. It doesn't matter. So, what is it? In, what is it in these cities that we're doing that actually needs to be done immediately, and it is overwhelming us? Having said that, I um, introduced my team at work to a mindfulness course, you know, complimentary from my company, and none of them wanted it because we have so many things in place like flexible working, duvet days, vitality health rewards that just none of them felt that they needed. Um, mindfulness which is really lovely but you don't see that that often 
No, it's a testament to the culture that you've built. And I think culture in small teams are really, really important and can be overlooked at quite early stages. Yeah. I know that we've only really just started building ours and we're at year three. So it's, but even that, most people say, well, that's quite early. But I think it's just so important to build a culture in teams. As you say, people are our business and people and how they work in your team rep- represent your brand that you've built and work so hard on. And it's a real balance of finding, not only finding the right people, but actually settling them in and getting them into the right workflow especially it's a big like challenge. in this transitional fast play pace world you know it just there's always something around the corner so if you can retain it to as much as you can't keep someone that doesn't want to be there of course but you know make their life at work as, as pleasant as possible then that's a good thing El, thanks so much for coming out today and chatting with us. It's been really wonderful having you on our first Lively podcast. I think in summary, one of the biggest takeaways today has been around how actually finding your tribe and finding similar uh, business owners to yourself can really help you. And it's not about competition. It's uh, it's about collaboration and support. And um, I thank you for supporting me over the last couple of years. But um, joining us on this cast today, it's been brilliant. So thank you.